welcome to Hive Mind. I'm Meg. I'm here with Eli. Eli, how are you? I am living the dream. How are you? I am good. Excited to talk with you today. Tell me what you've been watching. Okay, so we last week watched, and neither of us had ever seen it, the film Ordinary People. Have you ever watched it? I have not. Meg, it's good. Mary so, Tyler Moore? What's that? Mary yeah. Tyler Moore? Yeah, okay. it's Mary, it stars Mary Tyler Moore, um, Donald Sutherland, who I found out uh -huh. is Kiefer Sutherland's dad, mm -hmm. which was really funny because when he showed up on screen, I was like, that dude looks like Kiefer Sutherland. And then it was turns out he was his dad. And I only recognized him from the Pride and Prejudice, like the the newer Kira Knightley one. The Italian he's, job? He's in the Italian job. I don't I've never seen that. Oh my gosh. I had a roommate who was obsessed with the Italian job. We watched it like once a month. Oh. Is Here's it good? the thing. It's fine. Here's the thing you should know. And that we'll be talking about for other reasons later this episode. Everyone in Hollywood is a Nepo baby. Mm-hmm. Even when you think they're not, you do a little digging, you see that both their parents are blue links on Wikipedia. <laughs> Everyone who's successful in Hollywood has nepotism connections. It's the just we just have to accept it. I just okay, we're gonna we're gonna save our comments about Nepo babies for later. Is yeah. that what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Skylar and I went on a whole rant about this the other night after we saw the movie we're gonna be talking about today. Great. Can't wait. Uh Ordinary People stars, stars Mary Tyler Moore and a few other people. Uh, this was a film that like did was like an Oscar darling in 1981. Um, it won Best Picture. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore won an Oscar for it. Like all of the actors were nominated. Judd Hirsch was nominated for an Oscar for it. Mm. And I keep hearing people like mention it. Uh, and I'm like, how have I never heard of this movie? If it was like, so, you know, whatever. So we finally watch it. It's a film about a, a, a kid in high school whose brother tragically has died. And his whole family is just kind of like dealing with the grief of it. And he's dealing psychologically with a lot of issues surrounding this. And the film really focuses and centers on his extremely fraught, complicated relationship with his mother, who is played by Mary Tyler Moore. And they they don't they like basically don't have a relationship, but they live in the same house together. And he's kind of navigating that. And it is a really fascinating film. I think the acting is super good in it. Um, like Skylar and I were like riveted by this film. Okay. Uh, from beginning to end. It's really, really good. I would highly recommend it if you have never watched it. It's going to become like one of my new Oscar favorites, I think. Okay. All right. Maybe someday we'll return to our bonus episodes where we're watching our Oscar movies. Yeah. And it will. And apparently this movie has been a little bit maligned over the years because it beat, I think it was Raging Bull for Best Picture. Okay. And so people at the time kind of were sort of like green booky about it. Like what, how did this happen? You know, but like, I don't know. I think it holds up. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, and it's Robert Redford's first directed film. Interesting. Yeah. And then I went and watched like some of the Oscars, you know, from that year and Robert Redford cutie. Oh yes. Still, I, know that's I mean, not a hot take, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. You think Robert Redford in the seventies was cute. Um, <laughs> I've seen him at Sundance a couple times, brag. Um, and he like he's older, but he's still like, you know, uh -huh. a handsome man. 
have I told you my my Robert Redford story? No. About my when I had to call him in high school. What? <laughs> this is my favorite celebrity story from my life. I worked at a call center in high school where we had to call people after their vehicle like got service at this place and like follow up and be like, how did it go? Do you have any remaining questions? That kind of thing. And Robert Redford lives in Utah and he had taken his very expensive car to this place. And so I was assigned to call him and, you know, whatever. And I was so nervous and I like sat there in front of my phone for like five minutes, kind of like rehearsing the conversation in my head. And I'm like, don't sound nervous, you know, whatever. And so, and I'm like, he's not even going to answer. I bet, you know, but, but if he does, like, I'm just going to play it cool or whatever. So I finally call him and he picks up the phone and he says hello and i say good and you oh and then no he pauses and then i freaked out and hung up did you call back nope they'll <laughs> never know what if he had like major problems with getting his car service i uh, they should have hired somebody better than a high school oh, student well i bet he thinks about that interaction a lot all the time well it's so i've gotten to know one of his, his daughter in recent years yeah. And it was very I like felt like I had confessed to a priest or something when I like told her that story. It's like I need to tell you about what happened in high school. And I told her and she made a joke and she was like, oh, that was you. He talks <laughs> about that all the time. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> anyway, um, other than that, honestly, like nothing worth writing home about. Well, oh, so Skylar and I. Uh, I told you like a while ago, we wanted to watch the original three Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. We we got through them. Uh, Temple of Doom, I was all excited about because I was like, you know, people didn't really like it, but I bet it, I bet it holds up much better. You know, no, this movie sucks. Yeah. yeah, it's not good. It's I was, it, it was on TV. Like it was on in our home for some reason recently. And I was like, oh, no, this is like pretty, pretty bad. Like the acting's really hammy. The plot doesn't make any sense. Like it's just not a good sophomore effort. And, and it's really dark in in yeah. this way that like I just don't really feel like works for the franchise. It, it, it's we we struggled with it. I didn't care about like what they were trying to accomplish, and it, I felt like most of the time that wasn't even that clear. So kind of a stinker. Uh, and then we watched the Last Crusade, and I'm just gonna say it. That's the best Indiana Jones film. I mean, that's quite the take. And we've already talked about I haven't seen it, but I think I need to so I can decide if I agree or disagree with you because that is a that take is on fire. I know, but it, I'm not unique. I actually saw one of our like Utah Twitter people tweeted like a month ago and was like, I think The Last Crusade is the best Indiana Jones movie. And like a whole bunch of us were like, yeah, agreed. So I was like, oh, good. Like, maybe this is a relatively popular opinion. I can't believe you found people who think the way you do on the Internet. <laughs> All right. What have you been watching? A lot, actually. So I hope you're prepared. Um, yes. Did I have I already talked about Haunted Mansion on this podcast? No. OK, I took my kids to see Haunted Mansion. I actually wrote a review for it in the Deseret News um, and about why I think it's important to scare kids like a little bit. Not like I'm not going to sit them down, have them watch a horror movie, but I think that is good to push their emotional comfort a little bit through media because that helps them regulate emotions and actually helps with anxiety long term. 
And Haunted Mansion was the perfect movie for that because it's like jump scares, but not scary, scary. They've made the ghosts and the creatures in this look like Muppets Mm -hmm. more than like haunting figures. And so the actual like interactions with them aren't horrifying at all. And you don't leave with any like scary imagery left in your mind, but it's it will startle kids, which is exactly what I was looking for. Hmm. It is perfectly fine for adults. There are a few laughs. It's a little too long, but my kids loved it. If you're looking to get out of the heat for two hours, take your kids to Haunted Mansion. What is the plot of this thing? Um, uh, Rosario, Rosario Dawson and her son move into this Louisiana mansion and find out it's haunted and they can't leave because of a curse that ghost Jared Leto put on the mansion. And so they have to recruit all these other people, one of which is Lakeith Stanfield, who uh, are working to help get rid of the co- ghost. Tiffany Haddish is a medium who helps them. You know, shenanigans ensue. There are laughs. There are seances. It's fun that it's in Louisiana. Like, yeah. it felt, felt very in a place, which I appreciated. Okay. Um, definitely was 30 minutes too long, but most things are. Okay. I'm also currently working on a review of Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which we all went and saw and loved. This movie is so fun. Is it a cartoon? Yeah, it's a cartoon like Mitchell's versus the Machines or Into the Spider-Verse, like this very like sketch-like, like the director said they wanted it to feel like concept artwork and it feels very much like this. It's very fun to watch. Um, it's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the soundtrack, which I will see any movie that they do together. It's really great. It's very funny. Lots of like jokes for elder millennials. And the thing that I like most about it was that the teenagers, even though they're turtles in this, they feel like actual teenagers and not like adults who are posing as teenagers. Like the original cartoon, did you ever watch it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were like muscly men turtles, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in this, they're like gawky, awkward teen turtles who just want to belong. And it was very sweet um, and felt very like if I was a teen, I would have appreciated seeing that representation. Um, So what's it called? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Uh, Seth Rogen is actually one of the writers on it. Uh, Jeff Rowe is his co-writer. Interesting. Yeah, we really, really loved it. It was very fun. Lots of throwback um, hip hop music in it. It feels very of the 90s in the best way. Um, And then all of this, one of the things that Barbie has set off is kind of a Pride and Prejudice discussion because, you know, there's Depression Barbie who scrolls her ex-best friend's Instagram and eats a family-sized bag of Starburst and watches all of the miniseries Pride and Prejudice. I have found that there's a severe dividing line between Gen Z and millennials. Gen Z prefer the later version of Pride and Prejudice and millennials prefer the miniseries. Um, I am firmly in the miniseries camp um, and I wanted to relive that last week. So Stephen and I watched all six hours of the Pride and Prejudice miniseries. Eli, it is so good. It okay. Is so I'm, good. I'm going to watch this. I've never watched the miniseries. I'm so excited for you to watch it. It huh. is Jane Austen, I think, was the greatest writer of her time. Yeah. The way that she constructed these characters, 
and their stories and their complications are so masterful. We rode that high all the way through watching Sense and Sensibility with Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet. Like, and that's also a perfect movie. So good. Um, just really am grateful for Jane Austen and everything that do, she gave to the world. Do you have a beef with the Kira Knightley version? I don't have a beef with it. It's just not mine. Okay. Like the miniseries feels like mine. I like how long it is. I like how much room it gives its characters to explore all their different feelings and emotions and idiosyncrasies. Um, I think that the uh, Kira Knightley version is very well done. It's just not the one that I, it wasn't as formative for me. Okay, because I and love the Kira Knightley version. I will be very interested to hear what you say about the BBC version. They're both great, right. to be clear. Okay. I just like when I need a comfort watch, that's what I go to is the BBC version. Um, have you seen the film 13 Lives? Mm -mm. Okay. It is about, do you remember in 2018, the uh, Thai soccer team that got trapped in a cave? Yeah. Um, and there was like a two week rescue mission. It yep. is all about that. This movie is directed by Ron Howard stars Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen. Um, it is so good. I, I've heard people have been raving about this. They just like released it on Amazon. It never went into theatrical release. And I think that I, I'm blaming like COVID and all the streaming confusion. Is the box office dead? Like I just, I think that's what happened here. And I feel like this slipped through the cracks somehow because this is a very good movie. Mm. I was on the edge of my seat this whole time. They spend so much time in the water, in the cave, scuba diving, um, watching them like navigate these nooks and crannies. It's just so, so well done and so well acted and performed. Um, I am blown away and I'm kind of like, I want to be an advocate and an evangelist for this movie because I think everyone should see it. Okay. So, and I didn't know how they got them out and I don't want to spoil it for you, but like that was not something we talked about at the time and learning how they did it was, it absolutely blew me away. So please watch it so we can talk about it. Can't wait. And then finally, um, after we saw Theater Camp, which is what we're talking about today, Steven said, you have to see Shiva Baby. Shiva Baby is a movie that Molly Gordon is also in, and it's it features this this young woman who is in college, kind of. She's going to a shiva with her family, and it's just like all of these random coincidences of who is there. Someone compared it. Someone called it Fleabag meets Uncut Gems, and it's very much that. It's like eighty minutes of just increasing stress as all these different people enter the shiva, and she has all these different relationships with them. It is so funny and so stressful. I loved it a lot. Huh. Okay. So, which leads us to theater camp, which Molly Gordon is also in. Eli, what did you think of this movie? A plus. Ten A out of plus. ten. <laughs> it's so fun. Like this movie, Meg, this rarely ever happens to me. We went and saw this movie and the next day I was like, I really wish I could watch theater camp again, like already right. today. Right. Yes. It's and I went in very hesitantly because I was like, I don't know if I can handle a Ben Platt production for two hours, Um, but it, it's fine. It, it's fine, even though he's in it. 
Okay, so I want to talk about first what this movie is and then the Ben Platt of it all. So Theater Camp is Drop Dead Gorgeous meets Waiting for Guffman meets Heavyweights. It's a summer camp called Adiron Axe, A-C-T-S, um, where some theater kids have grown up and become theater camp counselors and are passing on some mild trauma to the students whose minds they're molding. Of course, the camp is in financial trouble, and the guy from American Vandal, who is so funny, is the son of Amy Sedaris, who is in a coma, and it's his responsibility to save the camp, and he is ill-equipped because he's a YouTube, YouTube finance influencer. Um, very gay, very, like, main character energy from everyone in this. Very funny jokes, very self-aware. Uh, I will watch any movie about summer camp. I am yeah. so fascinated by summer camp because I never got to go. It's like yeah. an East Coast thing that we were never a part of. Did you ever watch Bug Juice on oh. Disney Channel? Oh, yeah. Favorite show. It was so... Meg, I don't know. I'm like you. Any, like, to this day, any movie about summer camp, I'm in. Like Absolutely. Put the parent trap kids at summer camp for the first 20 minutes of the movie. I'm like, great. Show me what happens at summer camp. Looks like Let's a good time. Let's just watch that over and over, <laughs> yeah. over and over. Yeah. Um, I love this so much. It's very short. It's very funny. You think it's going to deliver this like grand special message at the end. It doesn't. It's just like these people being ridiculous and so lovable. Like I loved everyone in this, even though they are the most annoying people you've ever met in your life. Yes. And the, the kids in the camp are fantastic. Like, and you don't like child actors. I don't like child actors, but these kids were so funny and they're so dramatic, you know, because it's theater camp. And the the kids are absolutely hilarious. Like the there's like a running joke throughout this film that was so funny to me about how we're taking these children and making them play parts that are like way too old for them. Like, yeah. like there's like a, a scene where he's like coaching one of the kids and he's like, uh, you know, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's something to the effect of like, you need to channel what it's like to find out that your husband has walked out on you for a woman who blah, blah. And she, and the kid is just like, I've never had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> there's one scene where like, I just don't know if I can see her as a French prostitute. <laughs> yeah. It's like a 10 year old on stage. <laughs> It's so good. And um, yeah. yeah, Ben Platt and Molly Gordon are the two like teachers of this camp. They, they're, they've written a musical and it is very, you. I texted you during it and I said, this is just straight up waiting for Guffman. It really is. Like, it feels like Corky uh, putting on a play for the town that's kind of being written as they go. And it's like low production quality, but like, almost as funny as waiting for Guffman, which is my very favorite movie of all time. And so like, that's a compliment when I say a movie is waiting for Guffman. Yeah. I think the, the biggest difference between this and waiting for Guffman is the in waiting for Guffman. None of them are talented. Yeah. In this, you get the impression that they actually are like pretty talented. Not <laughs> it's very like those who can't do teach. Like they, yeah. they're very talented teachers. They could never make it on their own. And they have a lot of frustration about that, that they're right. channeling onto these children who will in the end be way more successful than they have ever been. And that's just the, that adds like a really funny layer of stress to all of this that I think they perform incredibly well. 
I was with you. I was like, I don't know if I can do Ben Platt. Um, mm-hmm. Dear Evan Hansen was the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm so sorry to people who love the musical. I'm sure it's better on stage, but I, I this saw was a it. plain movie that I could barely get through. Yeah, I saw I saw Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway and I it was like my the English patient from Seinfeld how Elaine can't understand why everybody loves it. Cause I walked out and I was like, is there something wrong with me? Cause people had been raving about this musical. And I was like, I found it really insufferable. Yeah. And then when the movie came out, I was like, well, this is even worse because Ben Platt is trying to be 16. But anyway, no oh, funny. And then uh, regrettably, the only piece of press that really made the rounds as this movie came out was that Rolling Stone interview where Ben Platt was asked well, what he thought about being co- on the cover of the New York Magazine Nepo Baby edition. And his manager said, we will not be answering that question and then cut the interview short, which I this performance is so funny to me because Ben Platt in it is a very uh, self-obsessed, feels like the world doesn't understand his talent. And it just does not feel that far from what I know about Ben Platt, the person. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually a little bit in awe of his self-awareness in this. Either that, or I'm like, wow, you have a complete lack of self-awareness. And I don't know which one it is. I My, my guess is that he doesn't think that he is this character. Like, I, I and this is, that whole Rolling Stone thing was just so baffling to me. He's it, this is very Leah Michelle energy where it's like you could fix this in one sentence. Like the fact is that your parents are famous. Nobody is disputing that this man is talented, whether this man is talented. Like nobody is like, and Ben Platt isn't talented. The only reason why he's famous is because his parents were the the claim was like. Ben Platt benefits from the fact that he comes from connected parents. And like, how can you deny that? Like, it's okay for you to just be like, oh yeah, like totally. I I am super, super fortunate that like my parents were able to help open doors for me. Um, and I'm also really proud of what I've been able to accomplish. Just yeah. say that. And like, everybody would be like, okay. Like, it, cause it's, it's not a sin to be successful and have successful parents no, the I mean, that's sin, kind of the way the world works. That's right? the way the world works. The The sin is being successful and having successful parents and refusing to acknowledge that <laughs> having successful parents was a tool in your arsenal. Like you just, need to acknowledge that. The complete lack of media literacy and training there is honestly baffling to me because he is a huge star, you know, yeah. and he needs people in his life who can feed him like what you just said. In, and then it won't make the story. Like that answer is so benign that like no writer is going to include it. But instead, he chose to make it the story. It, and it was so foolish. Yeah, it was an entire day where everyone was tweeting about this. And if he had just said that line, like, "Oh, the Nepo baby article," like he, all he had to do is be like, "Yeah, not a flattering picture on that magazine." Like, yes, my parents have been successful. That was, you know, obviously something that. I'm really fortunate to have. I'm also really proud of what I've been able to accomplish. Obviously, this is like a complicated topic and nobody would have even, would they have even printed it? I don't know. Like, but nobody would have talked about it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it's unfortunate because 
this is a great movie and it deserves a lot more press other than Ben Platt's kind of a dweeb. He mm-hmm. is pretty good in it. Yeah. Like he's very funny in it. I think Molly Gordon is the star. I think she is really, really funny. Um, Ayo, you don't give her a whole lot to do, but everything she does is funny. She's perfect. She's yeah. a camp counselor they brought on who completely lied about everything on their resume and knows nothing about acting and is asking the kids what different acting terms mean. Like just very funny. Um, everyone hits it out of the park here. The the this this straight dude who's running the camp because he his mom has had a stroke. Uh is he's very very funny and like i think they did a really nice job with this character because they could have made him like one-dimensional and and stupid and he's actually like somebody who's trying really hard but he's like in a space that he's just like i don't understand any of this but like i am trying to like be like a help to everybody but i don't know how like i thought that character was so endearing and in a way that like i did not expect to think he was endearing um, and Noah Galvin, who is dating Ben Platt, uh, he's in it as well. Um, his musical performing is fantastic yeah. in the film. <laughs> it's, amazing. It's amazing. It's so good. I didn't I didn't really care for his character outside of that aspect uh very much, but like when he's on stage performing the at the theater camp, he is phenomenal. Very, very good. Um, Patty Harrison, is it Harrison? Is that her last name? Uh, doesn't also doesn't have a whole lot to do, but every time she's on screen, shining star, just mm-hmm. so so funny. The stakes never rise to a point where I'm actually stressed. Like worst case scenario, this camp doesn't exist anymore, and the kids <laughs> might all be better off for that. You know, <laughs> but like, yeah, I do kind of want it to exist, but I'm like no one's life is at stake here i just had a great time uh i think for me personally the only reason i wasn't a theater kid is because i'm not talented like i had like some real theater kid main character energy as a child um so i saw myself a lot in these characters uh just Mm -hmm. people who are looking for a community of weirdos like themselves and it's very sweet very endearing very very funny pg-13 so take I, your parents. I would super broadly recommend this to everyone. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, kids, adults, uh, whatever your interest is in like theater, it doesn't really matter because the jokes are so good and the, the music is really fun in it. Like it is, it is worth watching whoever you are. Yeah. Broad general recommendation. I don't even know why it's got a PG-13. I think there's an F word. Um, okay. I, it's one of those comedies that is both niche and broad at the same time like there are jokes for people who know all of Sondheim's catalog and there are jokes for people who have never seen a play in their entire life you know like this works I believe for everybody with a sense of humor we saw it in a theater full of like musical theater kids and that was the best possible way to watch it it was so fun it was like a packed theater on a Tuesday night Uh, It just made me really happy. This is a small movie. It's very independent. You know, I'm sure they're not breaking box office records, but I think it's doing well for what it is and it deserves to. This has been a great, great summer of seeing movies in theaters. Isn't it so fun? I love it. I I just I feel like I bat like 25 percent on liking movies that I go and see in a theater and I've been liking a lot of movies lately. So I know it's so fun. I feel alive again, you know? Yeah. 
which it's, other- it's we we need to scratch this itch as much as we can because who knows how much longer Ugh, we're going to have don't movies. even get me started i'm just figure it out you guys figure it out meg i had a panic the other day because i was like are we not going to get the gilded age season two it's coming out in september right that's what i i think so i think i think it's in post-production so i think we we just barely made it through but i was like no i I can't live without the Gilded Age season two. <laughs> what would we even do? Throw my TV away, I guess. I need to watch an entire season of that show where nothing happens. Again. Nothing happens. I need a show where nothing happens. <laughs> they just wear ridiculous dresses. That's all I want. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We do need to see past lives because everybody's talking about it and I don't yes. want to forget about it. I let's if it's streaming this week, this week let's watch it because I think it's out of theaters now. Um okay. so we'll try and do that. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye.